Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark this morning. We're going to go on our, continue on our road trip in the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4. So whether you've got your digital Bible, your paper Bible, whatever you've got, we're going to Mark 4. And we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower and the seed today. Hallelujah. Are you enjoying your summer so far? Everybody enjoying summer, yeah? I mean, you're having a miserable summer. Anybody? No? Okay, great. All right. So we're going to look at the parable of the sower today, uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. And while you're turning there, or flipping there, or punching in the buttons, whatever you're doing, uh, my dad, he used to be a great farmer. He died about five years ago at the age of 97, but he, all his life, anything he touched, he could turn it into something green. I mean, I remember all my life, all the houses we lived in, he always had a garden. He'd go to work at the San Diego Union Tribune, and then he'd come home about two in the afternoon, take a little quick nap, and then he'd go work in the garden for a couple hours. We had vines, we had fruits, we had everything growing there, vegetables. It was always just something special. So I went to Bible college, and uh, I thought, okay, uh, one day I, I came home, and I was living in La Mesa at the time, and I thought, you know, my dad's such a good uh, gardener, I could grow something. And so I go outside, and I, I, get some, I buy some carrot seeds, and I'll grow some carrots. And so I'm, I'm in La Mesa, and I'm, the house where I'm living at has this huge tree. It's the famous tree there in, in La Mesa. I'm living right underneath it, and no grass, nothing is growing under it. That should have given me a clue. But anyway, I went out there, and I went, okay, now the soil. Now what do I do? Man, I don't have any tools. So I went and got a screwdriver, and I dug in the ground there a little bit, and I went, okay, here's the seeds, and I put in a couple seeds, and let's see what happens. So I put the dirt over it, and I watered it, and, and I watered it, and a couple days later, a little sprout comes up, and a little top comes up, and I'm watching it, and, uh, and a couple days later, it's growing, and it's getting pretty high, and I'm all proud of this. I'm watering it every day, and then after a while, it stopped growing. I mean, it's a little thingy like that. And I'm going, what in the world is going on? And, and, out, and it had been about a week and no growth, whatever. I thought, maybe the carrots are done growing. And so I reached down there and I grabbed up a carrot and it looked like a corkscrew. The ground was so hard. I hadn't prepared the ground whatsoever. And the little carrot had just grown like this. It was miserable. And I looked at that and I, I am not a farmer. <laughs> Parable of the sower. Let's go there this morning. We're in Mark chapter 4. Verse 1, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. I'm reading out of NIV if you're trying to find the translation. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the, out on the uh, lake when all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Verse 2, he taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, so he taught by parables. Now, we're talking about parables. We've got to understand what a parable is. A parable is an earthly story with a spiritual or sometimes called a heavenly meaning. Easy way to remember that. What is a parable? Earthly story with a spiritual meaning. So parables now are usually designed to convey one central truth. We never pick apart a parable and look at every little nuance. It doesn't work that way. Parables are meant to just tell, okay, here's the main truth. Let's look at that. Let's go on. Let's listen to the parable. Verse 3. Listen, a farmer or a sower went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, 
It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Uh, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What is he saying now? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's drawing attention to the fact that this is something special. You've got to pay attention to it. This then is the first parable in Mark that we're looking at. But we also find it's the first parable in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's the first parable in the Gospel of Luke. Now, the point uh, is that all parables require thought. Let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. It requires more than thought, though. It requires an active response in uh, uh, applying the truth, whatever it is, to your life. So we're looking at this now, and we're saying, okay, Jesus said, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Pay attention now. You're going to have to do something about this, so pay attention. Verse 10, when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. So in Matthew and Luke, they say, why are you doing this? And here, just asked about the parables, verse 11. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Let me just emphasize that. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given. Well, who's the giver? The obvious question, who would give that us? has to be God. So the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. To whom? He's talking to his disciples, those gathered around him. But to those on the outside, outside of the kingdom of God, those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that, now he's beginning to quote out of Isaiah 6. Isaiah was where uh, Isaiah was told by God to go preach to the Israelites, but it was in the time of their rebellion and he knew they weren't going to hear. And here's the quote. So that, talking about parables, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn, repent, and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So now we're seeing that the parable, the secret of the kingdom is given to you, and you've got to perceive, you've got to understand, you've got to repent and be forgiven in order to really get the parable. All right. If you haven't done any of those, then you are like those Israelites that were in rebellion that they saw, didn't perceive. They heard, didn't understand, and they never turned, never repented, so they were never forgiven. So don't you understand this parable? Look at this now, verse 13. How then will you understand any parable? The idea being, if you don't get this one, you won't get any of them. There's something, there's a key in this parable that if you can get and understand this parable, if you can apply it to your life, if you can work with this parable, then you can work with any parable. On the other side, the flip side is if you don't get this parable, you aren't going to get any parable. You're like those on the outside not understanding. So then this is a key. It's central. Let's go on. Verse 14. Uh, 
the farmer sows this, the word. So we're now going to interpret the word here, interpret the parable. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, and they produce. They hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop, 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. In other words, this is not like a novel. You're not just listening to one of these uh, novels on the, you know, that you can hear on your phone or whatever spoken to you. Don't just hear something. This is not what a parable is about, just to listen. You've got to carefully consider what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, what? With the measure you use, while you're hearing, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Father God, we ask you now to bless this. More than bless the word, Father, we pray that it would produce a crop today. 30, 60, 100 times, Lord, as we hear your word and receive it in Jesus' name. So now we're looking at this story here, and uh, so that my notes can catch up with me. We're looking at here, I'm... So, having a hard time. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so we're looking at Mark 4 now. And we, so we see the parable of the sower and the seed. And we talked about a parable, what it was, earthly story. And verse 9 talked about the need to hear. This is the first parable. And we know the point of it all is it requires thought and active response to apply the truth to our life. Verses 10 through 12, we saw the reason for the parable was based on a quote out of Isaiah, perceiving, understanding, and repentance, followed by forgiveness. That's all integral. And then verse 13 was really the key there. This parable is the key to all other parables because it deals with how we receive teaching or revelation. It has to be given to you, but then once it's given to you, what do you do with it? And that's what we're going to be talking about here this morning. And now as we come to the interpretation, we come down to verses 14 to 20, we look at Jesus as he interprets this parable. He first said the farmer or the sower. This is anyone who teaches or preaches the word of God. What am I doing right now? I am teaching the word of God. I'm Actually, this is a... I'm, teach, I'm a teach-preach right now. This is teaching and preaching at the same time, and I'm kind of flowing back and forth. My number one hat that I wear is a teacher. But I can slip into the preacher hat, and you can't tell the difference. All right? And so here we are. We're now we're looking at this. The farmer or the sower is the one who uh, teaches or preaches the word. Well, what is Jesus doing? At that moment, he is physically demonstrating his parable. He is actually 
teaching the Word of God. 20 different times in Gospel of Mark, Jesus is mentioned as teaching or the teacher. We see the emphasis is on teaching, not on preaching, even though today our emphasis is on both. We like to preach, we like to teach. Jesus was mainly known as the teacher. So Jesus is now teaching the Word. What is the seed then? Well, Jesus said the seed is the Word. So we have a sower, and he's sowing indiscriminately the seed. You know, the parable does not uh, criticize the sower. Why didn't he throw it all just in good ground? No, the, par- the sower is just indiscriminately casting the seed, and if we've got the seed of the Word of God, we're just throwing the Word of God out there. Could I suggest to you that right now, I am doing the same to you. I am casting the word out. Who's out here this morning? Well, I already know. The parable told me that there are some here that are, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. They are the hard soil where Satan steals the word. You might be sitting here this morning, and you're going, yeah, that's pretty good. You walk out the door, totally forget it. You don't have a clue what was said. You can't even remember later on. What was, what was the sermon about this morning? Uh, pff, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a clue. Because the seed just, it just left you. It was taken from you. And are you here this morning? Don't, don't say yes. <laughs> Anybody here with a, with a hard soil right now? How about the next one? The shallow soil. There we have down in uh, 16 and 17. Others like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, no foundation, no biblical basis, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I was raised right here in San Diego. Anybody here from Kearney High School? Anybody Kearney High School people? No, I asked that all the time. Oh, yeah, you went to Kearney? Oh, I didn't know that. All right. So I went to Kearney. And let me tell you what it was like 40 years ago, all right? So, <clears throat> Kearney High School, in the Jesus People movement, some of you guys might historically have heard of that. That's when hippies were finding Christ, the original hippies. Now, I know there's some hippies in the room here, but anyway, there, when hippies were finding and turning to Christ, we had a great revival in San Diego. At Kearney High School, my graduating class was 1,165 in my senior year. Out of that, 932 were saved. Now, would you consider that a revival? <laughs> John, I don't know how, what's the ratio now <laughs> or when you were going to school. Much less. But that was like a revival. And it was like 900 out of the 1,100 were Christians. And it was common. We're toting Bibles and we're, yeah, we're Jesus people. And it was great. Two years later, I could hardly find any of those 900, you know, trying to recruit them all for a Bible college, and where are they? Where were they? They were like seeds sown on the rocky place, but they heard the word, they received it with joy, but then it was gone. The third uh, soil is overcluttered, verses 18 and 19. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in, Choke the word, making it, the seed, unfruitful. The cares of this life, overcluttered life, deceitfulness of wealth, wrong desires, lustful uh, uh, desires. Those things come in and they 
choke the word. So right now, is there any hard soil here? Is there any uh, shallow soil here? Is there any overcluttered soil? By biblical emphasis, the answer would be yes. Now, who are you? I don't know. We don't want to be that, and you can change that right now. Because, because the next thing was the good soil. What happens? Others, like seeds sown on good soil, what is the point of the parable? It's about the good soil. The illustrations are the hard, shallow, overcluttered soil, but the real point of it is the good soil. The seed sown, the word of God sown into good soil. How many of you want to be good soil this morning? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we want to be good soil. What, do you, what should you do? You should hear the word, you should accept it, and you should produce a crop. Hearing, accepting, and producing. So what we see here now, if we will do those things, then crops, the word will produce in us 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. Now, Jesus makes a comment here as he's talking about this, and we find that the central point of the whole parable is your whole Christian life is a continual and progressive response to fresh spiritual revelation. Let me just say that again. I want you to get, this is the whole point. It's, it's on the screen, right? Yeah, it's okay. Okay, your whole Christian life is a continual and progressive response to fresh spiritual revelation. Have you ever had a revelation? Have you ever had the Spirit of God speak to you? Usually this happens when you're in the Word, or the word is being taught, or the word is being preached, the word is going forth, and then all of a sudden you go, ah. It's that, aha. That moment right there is where the Spirit of God is bringing you revelation. And as that happens, then you're supposed to respond to that revelation. And we're going to talk about this in just a moment. The more of God's revealed world, word we assimilate, the more our capacity for more truth. As Jesus said about the lamp. He said, do you bring in a lamp, in verse 21, and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully, though, what you hear, he continued, with the measure you use in your hearing process, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not, does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. What are we talking about? Jesus, was Jesus trying to intentionally hide the truth? No, he was saying, no, when you're preaching, you're sowing the word, why would you light a lamp and then hide it? No, the whole point is to let revelation come. Every time the word goes forth, revelation is there. You've got to reach out, you've got to grab it, you've got to make it yours, you've got to hear intelligently, you've got to work on it, you've got to accept it, and you've got to let it produce a crop inside of you. Jesus says, no, it's dumb to light a lamp and hide the lamp. No, we don't do that. If truth is temporarily hidden in parables, it's only so that it may later be revealed. 
The ultimate purpose of a parable is therefore not to conceal truth, but to reveal it. Are you following with me here this morning? We're getting this revelation thing going here. So the seed sown, it's given to you, and we're talking about revelation, the Word of God coming to you, and you have that aha moment where you go, oh, I get it, oh, wow, that's great, oh, I understand now. That's the aha moment. We're talking about revelation. Now, I want to talk to you about revelation and focus in on that in my last few minutes. So as we go to Revelation, we've got some things that we need to learn. In verse 12, verse 12 of our passage here, it said, So that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might repent and be forgiven. So we understand that revelation begins with repentance that results in forgiveness. Normally, when you have that aha moment, when you're reading the Word of God and all of a sudden you're reading the Word and the, you know, reading one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. And all of a sudden you get a revelation. Oh, when I take all that stuff from work and I take it home and use it, oh, I'm stealing. Oh, oh, I'm a thief. You've had a revelation. and Now you've got to assimilate that. You've got to hear with understanding. And you've got to say, oh, God, Forgive me, I repent, and I take that word and I make it a part of my life. So, revelation begins with repentance that results in forgiveness. But then the growth of the word, the seed, is really based on obedience. Let's turn over to Matthew 7. Would you just turn in your Bibles? I don't know how to say that electronically. Would you click on a new verse, whatever? Okay, so... Let's make this happen. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. I was telling Pastor Katie, my mentor, Pastor George Evans, he's probably frowning at me right now in heaven. This is the first time in my life I have not brought a physical Bible to the pulpit. So I'm trying to make this work, you know. I'm trying to just flow here. Okay, Matthew 7, verse 24. Did you find it yet? I was just vamping until you got there. Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So, not only a hearer, King James, but a doer of the word. What's fascinating about that, this parable, is he's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Rain came, streams rose, winds blew, beat down the house. It did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, streams rose, winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a crash as we sing in the kids. And the rains came tumbling down. And so we see that. Now, here in this parable, the key is, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. I did a little word study for you. Uh, went into the Greek on that word many years ago. Went into the Greek on that. And I found out that word there for doer in the King James, the multiple words in the NIV, puts them into practice, is a singular word in the Greek language. And it's the word that we get our word poet from. What is a poet? So one who does the word of God is a poet in the Greek language. What is a poet? A poet is one who creatively expresses his ideas. Right? So... Here's what I'm saying. 
few years ago, many years ago, I was preaching down in my church in uh, Texas. This is many moons ago. Down there, I was preaching, and we had a large church. We had a church about 1,500 people. And so I'm preaching away. And so uh, <coughs> I was the assistant pastor, by the way. And so uh, preaching away, after I preached, I was preaching on seek the Lord. I just pounding away on seek the Lord. Right after service, a young person came up to me and said, Pastor Steve, oh, man, God really spoke to me in that sermon. And when you said we need to fast and pray, I just said, yes, Lord, I'm going to fast. And I'm, I decided today I'm starting to fast. And I'm just, I'm, I'm going to seek God. It's, thank you, Pastor Steve. And I went, praise God, praise God. He walked off and I said to myself, I never mentioned fasting. As I turned around, another young person was standing there. Oh, Pastor Steve, that's seeking the Lord message today. When you said, I got to get into the Word and just read the Word a lot, I decided this week I'm going to read the Word of God like never before. And I said, oh, praise God. And he walked off and I thought, I never mentioned reading the Word of God. What was going on there? I learned a lesson there. I said, I never said that. I never said that. And subsequent to that, for my whole ministerial experience, people come up to me after a sermon and said, man, when you said this, and I just smile because I know I never said that. <laughs> I didn't say it, but the Spirit of God revealed something to them, and the Spirit was speaking to them, and so I just smile and say, praise God. Yeah, I said that good, didn't I? Hallelujah, yeah. Revelation. You've got to become a poet, creative. You hear something from God, you've got to creatively express it in your life. If I say to you, seek the Lord, what does the Spirit of God apply that to your life like? It's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. God says through His Word here, and then the revelation comes by the Spirit, and then it produces in your life 30, 60, 100 times the little word that was sown. I say, seek the Lord, and you're doing all kinds of things because God is causing it to grow in your life 30, 60, 100 times. What we've got is revelation. Revelation now begins with repentance, then that brings forgiveness. Then growth of the seed is based on obedience, doers of the Word. Then we've got to understand that revelation, once given, belongs to you. Deuteronomy 29, 29, if you've ever been a student of mine, you know that this is one of my favorite verses in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to us, belong to the Lord. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that, me, that we might do the word of the Lord. Say that again, I botched the quoting of it. <laughs> The secret things belong to God. But those things which are revealed belong to us. How many of you have ever had what you would consider, by my definition this morning, a moment of revelation? All right. Now, can you tell me what that was? Can you tell me exactly what God spoke to you and how it worked out in your life? Or did you let it slip? When something belongs to you, you have it. You have no excuse today if you have a smartphone. Have you ever heard of the little Google program called Keep? Yeah. If I use it all the time. You can ask anybody in the church, anybody who sees me. I've got my phone with me or this little iPad thingy. And says somebody says something, what do I do? I write it down. Because I know if it isn't written down, it doesn't really exist in my mind and in my life. Because this thing forgets all the time, right? I got good intentions. 
So the point is, when the Spirit of God reveals something to you, do you capture it? I've got six pages sitting right here I could show you where over my life, God has spoken to me. I have the date, what he said to me, and what I think it meant to me at that moment, you know. And so I said, I got that. So I've captured it, and I review that frequently, like every day, because it's part of my prayer list. Yes, Lord, the things you revealed to me, I say yes and amen, Lord. So revelation, it begins with repentance. Growth comes based on obeying what the revealed word was. And then revelation, once given, belongs to you. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. And we're going to go verses 6 down to 16 in just the last couple minutes here. As we go and prove this point that revelation is only given to believers. Say, what? Yeah. Revelation goes out. But if you're not a believer... That word is gone. Satan takes it away. And you don't have anything. You, there's nothing to show for it. So in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, um, we don't have time to go through the whole thing. Go down to verse 9 with me. Verse 9. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him this morning? Say amen. What has God prepared for you? Well, your mind can't conceive it. Your eye hasn't seen it. You don't really understand what God has prepared for you. Could I suggest to you that that's the benefits of salvation right there? What God has prepared for you are the benefits of salvation. If you agree with that premise, look at verse 10. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. What do I see out of that verse? Everything comes by revelation. You, you cannot go sit under a tree and come up with this great thought about God and have it all yours. Had to come from the Spirit of God. Revelation comes by the Spirit of God. You aren't good enough. You aren't uh, smart enough. You aren't whatever enough to, to come up with good revelation. It's got to come from the Spirit of God. And without revelation, the benefits of salvation remain a mystery to you. Can you pick up on that? We've got to have revelation from God or otherwise we don't understand what our salvation is all about. What did Jesus provide for us? We talk about healing. Do we understand that? We talk about atonement. We talk about redemption. We talk about all these Christian words. Do you really grasp it? You just kind of go, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't understand. It comes by revelation. And the more you receive the revelation, you repent, you ask forgiveness, you embrace it, you do the word of God, you become a poet, you do the word of God, then the more you get, and the more you get, and the more you get. And then finally, it's the Spirit that does the revealing. God's Spirit. Verse 14 there in 1 Corinthians 2, we finish with this. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. One time met a colonel, army colonel, really smart guy, witnessing to him, and I said, well, the Bible says, he says, oh yeah, Bible's a good book. I read it twice. I said, you read it twice? He says, yeah, I don't believe anything in it. What? How can you read the Bible twice and not believe anything in it? He did not have any revelation of the Word of God. He thought, and he said later on, he said, yeah, it's got some good stories, fairy tales and things like that. No, the Word of God is powerful. It's, 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 it can change your life. But without revelation, it's meaningless. So would you bow your heads with me right now? Let me ask you some 
real important thoughts. Are you a believer this morning? In order to get revelation, you have to have repented of your sins and received forgiveness. Since we're just wholesale right here this morning, in a few minutes we're going to have some uh, uh, pastors on the side here praying with you, but right now, everybody, I would like to lead us all in a prayer of repentance. Wherever we're at in the seed soil production process, if you've ever heard from God and then not done the will of the Lord, well, there's a moment of repentance. The great news is he was he's going to forgive you. He's going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I would like to lead all of us this morning in the sinner's prayer. Would you just repeat these words with me and we're just going to ask God for for forgiveness. And would you repeat these words with me? Heavenly Father, out loud please. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I'm asking for forgiveness. Would you forgive me for all my sins? All the times I've not listened to you. All the times I've ignored your spirit. Cleanse me now. I thank you for forgiveness. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Amen. Father God, I thank you. Lord, as a congregation now, as Canvas Church, at this moment we are clean in your sight as because you said if we repent, you'll cleanse us. The blood of Jesus will wash us right now. I thank you, Lord for cleansing us. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.